0: Well, welcome again. We're doing our Sunday school lesson. We're finishing up the month of July. And uh, I appreciate you uh, watching it very, very much. And my prayer, of course, is that it feeds your soul, gives you some things to think about, some things that will help to uh, sanctify you. That's what the Word of God does. John seventeen seventeen. the Lord Jesus, in His high priestly prayer, said, Sanctify them by Your Word. And He said, Your Word is truth. And so uh, those things fit together to help us to understand that the Word of God is true, so we've got to take it seriously. Every time we look at it, we've got to properly understand it, put it in its right context and uh, the right principles and everything, and apply it to our lives, because that's what sanctifies us. And for some people, I'm afraid that knowing the Bible is just a little bit more about winning a trivia contest or just being right or being able to use it to pound other people over the head when the truth of it is that the Bible is used to give us the sanctification the holiness setting us apart is what the word literally means so that we will be different than we normally are sometimes we say we want to be different than the world hey I just want to be different than Greg I have put up with myself For 60 years now, and I'm getting tired of it, and I'm thankful for the progress that I've made. If I could just be better and more like the Lord, I'd be happy regardless of what the world does. Certainly, I want it to affect them, and I want them to change. But uh, I've got my own problems. You've got your own problems, and so we need to be sanctified by the Word of God. The Word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And I don't have the light and carry the light, and neither do you, to point out how other people have stumbled. Now, perhaps we could use the lantern of the Word of God to help somebody else to shine the light on the path so they could walk a better way with us or maybe to uh, find somebody who stumbled and help pick them up. But the main thing... That that psalm talks about is the word of God guides me. Jesus said the word sanctifies me. And here's I guess the truth before we get into our scripture. If it doesn't affect you, why should you expect it to affect anyone else? Hey dad, if it's not changing your life, how do you really have the audacity to expect it to change Junior's life? How do you expect as parents, mom, that if it's something that the word of God is good for the kids, but you don't really need that kind of stuff anymore, then why are you surprised when they drop out of church and away from the Word of God. I'm telling you that moms and dads, well, all of us, we need to take the Word of God into our own lives, and that's the way even our society is affected, the church is affected, and our families are affected, because we're passionate about it. Now, when you talk about passion, there's one thing that I was raised to be passionate about. You can imagine when your dad is in the military, when he is a decorated two-purple-heart veteran type guy, a Marine, and then later in the Army as an officer and as a chaplain, uh, you're probably raised a little bit different. When you're raised on an Army post and you are walking somewhere with your dad, and you're watching him returning salute after salute after salute. It's kind of cool. And uh, when you are walking and seeing everybody, virtually everybody is wearing a uniform. And you go into the PX, and you show your ID card, and they let you in. But your friend whose dad is not in the army, well, he can't come in. I mean, it's kind of cool. And when you think about All of the things, the parades that I got to see. At one place we lived in Virginia, our quarters were not very far from the parade ground. And so I would walk over there every once in a while and I would watch the band and and watch the troops as they would practice different formations and uh, things like that. And every day we would awaken to the sound of a cannon and the bugle and the flag being raised up the pole. And then every day at dusk, same thing. A cannon and a bugle, and they would be taking the flag down for the evening. Really, really cool stuff. And so, when you talk about me, you talk about somebody who is a, um, an unashamed patriot. Let's just put it that way. And I still get a lump in my throat when I see veterans uh, that are saluted and honored I still get a lump in my throat when I see the uh, flag being raised or people saluting the flag or uh, those type of things, especially funerals. You know, I do a fair amount of funerals over my lifetime and um, boy, I love it when the uh, uh, servicemen come and they take the flag off of that coffin and so sharp and so wonderful and they fold that flag up and then there's a... Uh, uh, playing taps and then maybe there's a, 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 a gun salute that type of thing and the presentation to the flag I don't know that kind of stuff moves me so um, have you ever heard the expression you're preaching to the choir uh, I think in this particular message I'm preaching to me because there's this tendency that we have and I think uh, I'm not alone some of you Probably kind of face some of the same things. I love my country so much. I'm afraid sometimes I love my country. Love the flag more than I love Jesus. Uh, I want to challenge us today as we end this month. The month where we celebrate the birthday of our country. By challenging us to honor God. To love God. To worship God more than we do our own patriotism. Uh, I know a lot of people that don't like it because there are NFL players that kneel during the National Anthem instead of stand. I'm with you. I kind of feel the same way. But at the same time, there are people who would get all upset because somebody disrespected the flag. And yet they don't bother to come to church very often. And they certainly wouldn't come any other time than Sunday morning. Because after all, I mean, you know, you can't get too fanatical about the Lord. And there are people that would get all upset if anybody messed up the national anthem. Or tried to change the national anthem. I heard that there's a move on now to replace it with some other song. In fact, somebody suggested the Bill Withers song, Lean on Me, instead of the Star Spangled Banner. I don't think that's going to get very far. But uh, some of us would get upset over that. And yet we don't get upset when we don't carry out the Great Commission. We don't really care that much that we're not bold in our witness for Christ. We don't really get that excited about even hearing the Word of God. You know, uh, you could be standing at a curbside on a street in any town USA... And here comes the uh, National Guard and they've got the uh, colors posted and they are coming down the street and the band is playing a patriotic song. And you know, uh, you wouldn't have to look very far to see some grown tough men wiping tears away from their eyes. Can I ask you a question? When is the last time you got a lump in your throat? When somebody sang a song about the gospel? When is the last time that you got a tear in your eye when you thought about your Savior hanging on a cross for you? When is the last time that those type of things actually moved you? Now that's kind of what we're looking at when we turn to the book of Malachi for this particular lesson. And uh, I want to just say as we read Malachi chapter 1 that you hear in here the words of God coming from his heart about the fact that his own people are not honoring him as they would honor a father or as they would honor traditions or as they would honor their nation or something like that. And as we read this, I want you to hear this. So let's start at verse 1. Here's the premise. A son honors his father and a servant his master if then i am the father where is my honor and if i am a master where is my reverence says the lord of hosts to you priests by the way if you're saved remember in first peter you're a kingdom of priests so he's talking to us for you priests who despise my name and yet you say in what way have we despised your name can't you hear us And here he answers, you offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying that the table of the Lord is contemptible. You know, that's a bold statement after all the Lord has done for you to ever say that the word of God at the Lord's Supper, maybe, or in their context, the sacrifices they would offer, boring Do we have to do that again? Think about that and let that sink in. Look at verse 8. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? And he's not talking about blind people or lame people. He's talking about animals. When you get ready to offer the sacrifice and someone says, we need to take a lamb to the temple, and you go, oh, do we have to do that again? Well, don't take any of these. These were our prize lambs. They won the blue ribbon at the state fair. But that one over there is about to die. Let's go ahead and offer that. I mean, no sense in wasting a perfectly good animal, right? That's what the Lord is saying. Now, then he makes a a challenge to us, and this is kind of where the premise for this lesson comes out of. Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. I mean next time you have a governor over. Or a president. Or a senator. Or a congressman. And they say oh this roast beef is wonderful. Then say something like this. Well good. It was dying anyway. And see if they continue to eat and brag on the meat or not. See what he's saying? This is the Lord speaking, folks. Verse 9. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts, In other words, go through your prayers, your religious rituals and all of that, like everything's as it should be when you have acted so dishonorably and then you expect God to answer your prayer. That's what he's saying. Verse 10. Who is there even among you who would even shut the doors so that you would not kindle the fire on my altar in vain? I mean, if you're going to play around, he says, just shut the place down. God is not that needy. He says, uh, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it, in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit and its food is contemptible. You also say, Oh, what a weariness. That's kind of like going, Oh, is it church time again? Do we have to go again? That kind of thing. Do I have to read my Bible again? And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. And thus you bring an offering. That's the offering you bring. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. In other words, you don't keep your word. You don't keep what you promised. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. You get the point? You see, we can get to the place to where we honor anything and everything but Jesus, and then we wonder why he doesn't bless us. We wonder why he doesn't answer our prayers. We wonder where the joy of the Lord is. After all, I went to church, and I hated every minute of it. I looked at the... I looked on the internet and at Facebook while the pastor was preaching. I, uh, you know, daydream about things. I come in late. I leave early. I yawn through all of it, sleep through all of it. And then I wonder why my walk with God is not fruitful. Okay? Preaching to the choir, preaching to you and me, people like us. And we think about this and we hear what Malachi is writing down And he is writing down what God is saying. Does the heart of God find pleasure in your quiet time? Or does he look down and see you just checking off the boxes and you could care less? And you wouldn't do it if you thought you could get away with it. Does he look down and see you give and give with a cheerful heart? For he does love a cheerful giver. Or are you giving with oh contempt? Why do I have to do this? I could have a boat if I didn't give all this money to the church. Are you giving it just out of fear or just to check the box? What about coming to church? Do you come and uh, like the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, or are you pretty well content to do without it? You know, one person gets sick and the whole family has to stay home because nobody really wants to be there anyway because we don't find our joy in the Lord. And if he doesn't find, if we don't find joy in Him, why should we expect Him to find joy in us and to manifest that joy? Because joy is the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit of God is quenched. Let that sink in just for a moment. And so I want you to think about some things with me, um, especially when it comes to like our patriotism that I started out with. I think that's just a, um, an example of kind of how we think and how we live. And uh, first point would be this, giving government more, <clears throat> pardon me, honor than you give God. There's a whole lot more motivation when you get that letter from the IRS, than when you read verses of Scripture that tell you what you ought to do, right? There's motivation. You know God's not going to put you in jail, but the IRS just might. You think about attitude. Sometimes when we have the opportunity, if the president were to invite you to come to a state dinner and to sit at his table and be his guest, I'm going to guess that most of you who are watching this, would do anything you had to do to get to Washington, D.C., to be that you, you probably would not say, sorry, Mr. President, there's a soccer game that night. Sorry, Mr. President, I've got a little bit of a headache, and I had planned on doing some other things. You wouldn't do that. Think about the attitude that we have about serving God as opposed to our government. If you got a letter in the mail... That uh, was telling you to report to your local recruiter because you had been drafted. You would go and you would serve and you would do that. And yet you read in the word of God that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But that doesn't mean anything to you. Because you have more respect for government than you do for God. Seems to be in line with what Malachi is saying to us. Even in the way we speak, we speak proudly about our nation. And we will take on anybody who doesn't agree with us. But when it comes to the things of God, we're strangely, strangely quiet about all of it. And the witness of Christ and the gospel is not going out through the world. So I think it comes down to just saying, do we really have the kind of respect for the Lord that we ought to have above Everything else, government, would be just one example. Number two, giving God what we would, uh, what the IRS would not accept. You know, uh, next time you get a tax bill, you know, have you ever you know, paid all your taxes, your withholdings and all of that kind of stuff, and then your uh, accountant, uh, you know, figures up your taxes and they say, you owe uh, $1,000, let's say. Well, are you happy about that? No, that always kind of gets to me when that happens. I hate that. And then they tell you, you've got to get it paid by this particular date. And what do you do? Well, maybe I'll get around to it. You know what? I owe a $1,000. i will give them 60 And they ought to be happy with that. I mean, after all, I could have given them nothing. Uh, we would never do that. And yet that's the way we do with our giving to the Lord, isn't it? If I have it. If it's not too much, well, I've got some other things I had planned for that money, so I'll just give this, and uh, boy, they ought to be happy with that. I mean, it's better than nothing. Somebody said one time, isn't it amazing how big a $100 bill looks in an offering plate and how small it looks at a grocery store? Boy, that's true, isn't it? And sometimes we find ourselves saying, well, one of these days I'm going to be a giver. One of these days I'm going to do what I know is right. And in the meantime, Lord, you're just going to have to bless me and put up with me. And we flagrantly disobey what he says. And we give to the Lord what we would not think of giving to the Internal Revenue Service. Can you see my point on that? I'm thinking about how the book of Proverbs says we are to honor the Lord with our possessions. And then he talks about a thing called first fruits. We honor God first, not last. Not with leftovers, not with the lame and the blind and whatever's going to die anyway or whatever we uh, uh, think we can do without. We're to honor him out of love and out of grace and out of gratitude uh, for the first. Out of the first, not just giving him what we don't want. Uh, uh, there was one time this was a while back Someone called and uh, it wasn't here at our church. It was in another church and they called and they said pastor I said, yeah, and I said, you know I'm thinking that I might want to make a little donation to the church And I guess they thought that's supposed to make my ears perk up And uh, I said, okay, well if that's what you feel like the Lord wants you to do uh, w- What do you got and they said well we got some new furniture and I, my heart just sunk, because uh, I knew what was coming. And we've got this chair, and we thought, well, maybe maybe the youth could use it. Uh, maybe somebody at the church could use it, maybe, and we'll just bring it by there. Now, it's only got three legs, and uh, a cat had been on it, and it kind of plucked it and all of that, and it was stained and all of that, but... You know, that's good enough for the church. I mean, after all, we're just a charitable institution, right? Well, actually, we are an expression of the kingdom of God. And in this passage, the Lord says, I am a great king, and what we do for the Lord, how we honor the Lord, our attitude about the Lord, and even reflected in the way that we give, ought to be the best because... He is a great king. And we've all kind of seen those things that happen before. Number three, isn't it interesting how we can have tears for the flag and apathy about the gospel? I touched on that earlier. Tears for the flag, anger sometimes maybe if we see somebody mistreat it or burn it. I remember being seven years old and uh, we were in a chapel service. My dad had preached. And um, there was a storm that came up. It was in Virginia on the coast. And I remember watching a whole group of uniformed GIs run out of that chapel onto the parade ground there uh, on the main post. And they all got under the flag as it was falling to keep it from touching the ground. Man, that did something to me. I love that kind of thing. But at the same time, I wonder how many people, God's people would uh, do anything or go out of their way or get wet as those guys did for the honor of Christ, for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so we sing a lot of things that we don't really mean. We surrender all if it's convenient, if we've got it, if there's nothing else going on, if there's not a baseball game or a tournament. or What are we really teaching our children about God? And so uh, we find ourselves where we're concerned about other people taking a knee. I wish some Christians would take a knee. I would love it and wonder what God would do if Christians would get on their knees and worship God, bow before Him, weep over souls, and just praise, honor, and love the Lord with all of their hearts. See where I'm going? You understand this. And then the last thing is, we have lies and lack of passion... That refute our testimony. And I'm afraid that a lot of times the things that we say. And the things that we might get a little frustrated with the world about. Why can't they get this? Why don't they understand this? Why won't they honor the Lord? Maybe it's because they haven't seen us do it. And we say we do but it's a lie. We sing that we do but it's a lie when you get right down to it. And there's very little passion about serving the Lord. In the book of uh, let me get the reference right here in the book of um, here it is first chronicles 21 king david shows his heart he goes to uh, ormon and uh, ormon looked and saw david and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to david with his face to the ground and david said to him give me the sight of the threshing floor, that I may build on it an altar to my Lord, give it to me at full price, that the plague may be averted from the people. That's a little ironic, isn't it? Then Ormon said to David, Take it, and let my Lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I give the oxen for burnt offerings, and the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for a grain offering, I give it all. Now, you got to admire him. When he finds out God's going to be worshipped, you know what he says? Take it all, David. It all is for the Lord. I'll give you everything you need. But you've also got to admire the heart of David. And this is the point. But King David said to Ormon, No, but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And you know, I'm afraid that when we look at our land and see the sad, sorry, sick shape that she is in, maybe it's because Christians, for a long time now, have been offering to the Lord that which costs them nothing. And there's no passion, there's nothing about them that would make them give up anything, give up something for Jesus. And then we have the audacity to say that he's Lord and that he's worthy of our praise. Can you imagine what would happen if we truly did, like God cries out for us to do in Malachi, honor him above what we would honor a father, above what we would honor a master. Not that we stop honoring them, we just honor God more. And what if, what if, the patriotism and love for our nation that we have, what if we didn't quit doing that? Because the Bible does say we are to honor the king and God didn't institute nationalism. But what if you and I were even more passionate about Jesus, about prayer, about worship, about holiness, living for the Lord with all of our heart, with the idea that I'm not going to offer God Something that's cheap. Somebody may come up to you this Christmas and they may say, Here, I got you a Christmas present. And then you say, Well, I got you one too. And you give it to them. How do you feel when you spend about $50 on their present and you open up theirs and it's obvious they got it at the last minute at a convenience store and they spent maybe a couple of dollars on it? Does that ever hurt your feelings? I know it shouldn't, but it does, doesn't it? I wonder what God thinks when He has given His Son for us, shed His precious blood for us, given us His Spirit, given us His Word. And He walks with us through life. He's prepared a mansion for us in glory. And I wonder what it must be like when He has given so much to us and we give so little to Him. Now here's where it starts. It starts in the heart And it starts with honoring God above all else. I want to dare you to pray what Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then say, Lord, hallow your name in me, in my family, in my church, in my nation. Show me ways where I can honor and glorify you and let it come from a pure, true heart as I do so. I dare you to do that because I know that when Christians start honoring God or at least desiring to do so, that blesses the heart of God. And God will give you a heart that contains honor for him and honor that is appropriately displayed in every other part of way. But it starts with the Lord. Hallowed be thy name. Well, I hope that challenges you. I hope it hurts your feelings a little bit as you look at yourself. And I hope it brings you to the point of correction so that in your life, honoring the Lord becomes top priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things then shall be added unto you. But it starts with the heart of honor. God bless you. Stay well. And have a great week. And I pray that the Lord will indeed bless you richly.